Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The Premier Year, session number 502. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited to have a great guest on today, someone who isn't in medical school, Yet, she's going to share her story of what she's doing to impact the pre-med community and how she has been advocating for herself, being very intentional with everything that she is doing. Before we jump in, though, I want to talk about the MCAT Minutes brought to you by Blueprint MCAT, and I want to talk about the scholarship from Blueprint MCAT. If you go to MCATscholarship.com, if you are taking the MCAT in 2023, planning to start medical school in 2024 or 2025, Blueprint MCAT is giving away a $20,000 scholarship to go towards your medical school tuition. No purchase is necessary. Go see all of the rules at MCATscholarship.com. That is running through the end of October 2022. All right, let's go ahead and jump in to our conversation with Tyra today. Tyra, welcome to the pre-med years. Thanks for joining me. Hi, well, thank you. <laughs> welcome, welcome to your own show. <laughs> so uh, I'd love to start out with uh, why or when did you realize you wanted to be a doctor? Mm, so I think that it's always that whole, the seeds planted and then it grows, right? I think I was always very into sports and I loved the anatomy of the human body, right? So I loved the fact that I could push myself to a limit where I could be flexible, I could be strong. So it was just kind of how the body structure worked that pulled me in. And then I'll never forget, I was at a karate competition where a, like a competitor, their toe broke so badly, it was kind of hanging off. And everyone in the audience being like, ew. And me being like, how are they going to put that back on? <laughs> like, that was my first instinct. Like, what do you do? Right. And I think that was when I was like, okay, this could potentially be the field for me. Um, and I started to do like started to look into it more and I was like, yep, I think, I think this is where I should be. Yeah. So, uh, I think people listening to you talk will realize that that's, that is not an American accent. Uh, you grew up in South Africa and for a while you thought that medicine wasn't something that you could actually do. Talk, talk about the med school path. If you were to stay in South Africa, what you would have done to, to go to medical school there? Yeah. So, uh, I grew up in Johannesburg, South Africa, and I absolutely, you know, 
I, I loved I loved the opportunities that there were for me. But for medical school, um, I didn't speak an African language. And there's 11 official African languages in South Africa, um, with majority of the population not speaking English as their first language. Um, I would have had to learn one of those to be considered for a medical school. Mm. Um, and the reality of it was I'm really bad at languages. I love math and science. So I would have had to try and take a couple years off and learn a language and then hopefully try again. Um, the process is different to what it is here, but I still just don't even think it would have been an option, even with me actually learning the language. Yeah. So at, at some point, you had the ability to kind of win the green card lottery, come over to the States and uh, come come to the States and, and start your journey. Being an immigrant to this country and finally being able to realize, ooh, I, I want to go to medical school. I think this is a possibility now. Where did you first start looking for answers to all of your questions? In all the wrong places. <laughs> um, I first started with my advisors at my community college that I go to, and um, they didn't have much that they were able to offer. So they told me to start looking online. So I did. And I probably did 500 hours of, of research in the first month I was in college and trying to figure everything out. And it was incredibly overwhelming for someone who didn't even know what a GPA was. Um, it was a really difficult thing to go. How am I going to be able to support myself through my undergrad and still, you know, save the world to get into medical school? I looked online and eventually I was lucky enough to find your resources but it took me a long time to actually start understanding the application cycle. Yeah. So community college first, did you find information where you were like, uh-oh, maybe I shouldn't have gone the community college route because I'm I'm reading that going, going this route is going to be harder for me? Yeah. I mean, everywhere. I mean, if you look on all the different talk sites and stuff like that, a lot of people turn around and say that community colleges, you know, look down upon. I had advisors here tell me, you know, it's really hard to go to med school from a community college. And and it was that that understanding of, wow, maybe this is going to set me back. I think it's been the complete opposite experience. I think going to community college for my first two years has probably been the best foundation for me in my med school career. Um, because I've been given so many opportunities here. I never want to take that away. I've had incredible professors. So I think going to community college is not going to affect my journey at all. It affected my headspace for a little bit, but I kind of pushed that all aside and decided yeah. that a good student's going to come from anywhere. Yeah. Talk about the the intentionality, I think is the word I would use with you, being very intentional with everything that you're doing. Uh, why are you so intentional with everything that you're doing versus just like showing up the first day of semester going, okay, what classes am I taking? Okay, I'll take these ones. And then figuring out as you go, you, you seem to kind of have your whole path, your whole path planned out. Yeah, I think I've always been someone who being an athlete in high school, I always had to be very organized. I always had to have a plan set out for what I was doing to accomplish goals. I've always been very goal orientated, right? I'm someone who who follows my heart and follows passions before I follow logic and understanding, which also can clash. So I think it was more about, I'm really passionate about making this happen. My parents have come to this country um, for me to go to medical school. And I get this opportunity that majority of students in South Africa don't have. 
And it was like, okay, I'm going to work to my best of my ability to get into med school was the headspace I went into it with. But then I started to realize that that shouldn't be my goal, right? It, it should be a goal, but it shouldn't be my goal. And my goal should be to figure out whether I love the field and whether I'm going to be good in the field and do things I want to do for the healthcare world and education. And I started to do that stuff, right? I started to make sure that my classes were lining up with not only the prereqs, but stuff I actually enjoyed. Is my major something I love? Then I started to line up what work I needed to do with tools that are going to help me in my career long term, right? I figured out things I don't like. I figured out things I do like from that. So I'm just very passion driven. I go where I'm excited to go. And if something is not exciting to me, I can't do it. I just don't have it in me to do it then. Yeah. Do you see those around you who are doing the opposite, kind of looking at everything they have to be doing and checking off those things and, and kind of ignoring their passions? Yes. And I think I think that's amongst a lot of my peers. They ask me, you know, why why are you being able to get the opportunities that you are? And I often say to them, it's just because I'm following what I love. Right. I'm, I'm going after what I love. I'm making sure that I'm always prepared for the next step or to meet the right person. And I think a lot of them are trying to tick off the boxes, like we always say. And it's just not worth doing it that way. Mm. Right. It's, it's, it leaves this four years open to a lot of wasted, hard time when you could be doing stuff you really, really want to get out of bed in the morning for. Yeah. What is what is the thing that that drives you every day? I have a vision for what I think I should do for the rest of my life. Um, I know that I want to be a world changer. I want to change the game. I want to change how we live for the better. And I think that's it. Every day I wake up going, one day I'm going to change the world. One day I'm going to change the world. And slowly that becomes every day I do a little something to change the world. Yeah. And I think that gets me up. So I, I love how you didn't just say, uh, like, one day I'm going to be a doctor. And that's what I'm working towards. One day I'm going to be a doctor. So I think so many people work towards that goal of getting the MD, your DO, being an attending physician, being done with training. And that's the finish line for them. And you can tell in their kind of personality, in their enthusiasm, that they're just not excited about anything. They're not excited to wake up today to go study what they have to study, to go uh, do the work that they have to do for the clinical experience, shadowing all of that. Because the only thing that they consider success is that goal of being an attending physician. And it sounds like you're waking up every day going, I I'm achieving my goal every single day. And that's driving you. 100%. 100%. The white coat for me is not the end. Um, being able to practice as a physician is not the end. Uh, medicine is so multifaceted. I am able to go into medicine and treat patients and do the specialty I love, whatever that might be one day, and then also do so much outside of the hospital space, right? In advocacy, in education, in community engagement. Physicians can do so much more than practice medicine, right? They are pillars of the community. And I think that's who I want to be is a pillar of the community. And I think the career of being a physician helps me achieve those goals. Mm. So that's like my overall mindset. And every day I just want to make people smile. <laughs> so you uh, are at a community college now. You, you still have a few years to go before starting medical school. And you have found 
the you you had mentioned right a lack of advising specifically for the pre health world pre med world at your community college, and instead of kind of sitting on the sidelines and going boo hoo woe is me, you went out to change that. Talk about some of the initiatives you've done at your school that you think other students may be able to do at their schools to help their community of students. That's an awesome question. I think I I was in that place where I was overwhelmed with the information and I was scared. And I think once I got over, oh, wow, how am I going to do this? I started going, why is it like this? Why should I feel this way? And how can I help other people not feel this way, right? I'm not the only community college student here that feels the way they do, right? Or is an immigrant or, you know, any of those those things that I fall into. And even beyond that, how do I help them while I help myself? I think that was a big thing for me. So what we did, I needed to know where the problem was. Uh, There's so many aspects of the medical school application and who struggles with what was not something I understood. We all complain about it, but there's no data out there to show me what I could do to help them. So we did a research survey. Um, so it was a just a Google form survey. It was super easy to conduct. We took it to our IRB here. They didn't even know students did research here. Um, and we we developed a questionnaire just talking about the application cycle and how confident you feel. It's really difficult to understand or to measure understanding, right? So we we just try to get what their competency levels were in things and it was a really sad result, right? Students were not confident about their applications, but they were highly committed on going to medical school according to their their surveys. And that to me just wasn't acceptable, right? Like the fact that students understood probably two things of the application just didn't seem like an okay thing for me to, to know and not do anything about. So the research didn't stop there. Um, we did take the research to our deans and propose, I went to USF, and propose something and then came to our deans, hoping that they would help um, to get someone from Musani College of Medicine, which is connected to the University of South Florida, to come train our advisors in pre-med advising. Mm -hmm. And then I had to get an advisor at our school to do it without an increase in pay or anything like that. So it was building that connection. Both of them agreed. We took it to our deans and the deans approved it. So we are going to have a pre-med advisor at HCC from the end of this year, right? To me, that was something that I was like, this is the project. It was so amazing. I'm so happy. I'm going to make sure that students have someone they can go to that I didn't have. And then it just went further, right? Then it went on to being able to present across the country, um, we also started at HCC, we started a pre-health society, right? We were starting to develop modules for students to learn skills needed to be pre-health students. We also then have now taken the research nationally. Um, we are going to go across, I think right now we are in nine IRBs to do, to do a survey to identify where students are struggling. And with the research project comes a QI they have to do where they're either hosting a workshop, they're building a document that has resources on it, or they're getting an advisor trained at their college. And it's it seems like a lot of work, but it's really not. It's a really simple process. And that's advocacy for me. That's helping, even if it helps one student, I'm happy. Yeah. but can help yeah. students across the country. What's the first step that someone at a community college on the, the other side of the country, what, what's the first step that they should take to potentially try to replicate what you're doing? 
first step, do your research, right? Understand what the problem is. Understand what kind of question you're hoping to solve, right? If your question is, you know, what don't they understand in general, you need to know, you know, what your school offers already. Um, like, are, are, are you going out to enough students? Just kind of know your background so that you have all the information because people are going to interrogate you as you go along this process to see if you're doing this just for something to put on your CV or if you know it. And I knew everything about what our school did, what's online, what's recommended, what literature was out there. And because of that, people took me seriously. And I think credibility is going to get you way further in any kind of project than just passion. Yeah. You interact with a lot of community colleges, with a lot of undergraduate institutions. Wouldn't you assume, or I would assume that the problems are going to be the same everywhere, that people just don't understand the process, they don't understand uh, how important grades are, how important the MCAT is, how important maintaining grades from community college specifically to undergrad to the four-year university is important, like uh, clinical experience, shadowing. There, there are so many facets to a medical school application. My assumption is people just don't know any of it. Yeah. And I think, I think you're right. Right. And when I first proposed this research, people said I was crazy for that because I couldn't ask one question. Mm -hmm. I had to ask a million questions to try and get an answer. And a lot of researchers told me that that wouldn't work. But what I kind of pulled from it is even if a student says, I understand it as a break, but they maybe not understand the fact that they need six or, or just the small details you can still introduce things to students that wake them up to be like, maybe I should look into this, right? It gets people talking. It gets people understanding the fact that there's research to be done and maybe they need to look into something. If someone didn't know what the MCAT was when they take the survey, what's this? They're going to Google it, yeah, right? So I think even if at the end of the day, our data is really hard to define, we're still going to look at it and go, people didn't understand this part we're going to implement something. So students are still going to be learning regardless whether, you know, we have exact, exact understanding, we're still making a difference. And I think that as a student doing research is enough. How do you get your your student colleagues on board with this? Because they're busy, right? They're they're taking classes. They have their own responsibilities outside of school. There's a, a general kind of thought that the competitive pre-med world wouldn't want to collaborate with you and they want to go do their own thing so that they they have something cool to put on their CV. How are you getting these people to buy into to what you're doing? Finding what drives them, right? So there are going to be some students who are driven to do the project because they want to put it on their CV, right? And that that that's the truth. But there are going to be students who are part of the LGBTQ population who are saying they're an underrepresented um, group in medicine and they really want to figure out how they can help those students. There are African-American students I'm talking to where I'm showing them the data of, you know, what the levels are of applicants in, in the African-American community and they're going, I want to help, right? So I think I'm finding people's passions and, and showing them how they can help not only themselves but other individuals in this. And if a student is doing it for the wrong reason. I just don't think they'll do it then, right? They're not doing it because they want to really help the community or the, the country. And I think we've, we'll see those students. We do see those students, but I think majority of the students I've worked with 
especially in pre-med, they do have a heart Mm. for it, right? They do want to do something for their community. And I think just finding what drives them and being able to show them how this could impact them and their goals, I think that helps. Yeah. You you had mentioned being able to go to uh, the USF medical school, getting someone to help kind of coach an advisor at your school. How did that outreach and connection work? Because a lot of students are scared to reach out to the medical schools. They're like, they're going to remember me. They're going to put a file uh, about me in the system. And they're going to say, oh, this, this student's annoying. Don't, don't, don't accept them. How did, how did you build that connection? So it's very interesting. I didn't know this at first. And a professor here told me that a lot of the big universities do allow the community college students to see some of their advisors. Um, normally, it's like if the student's going to be a transfer student to their school or, you know, that kind of dynamic where the school is partnered. Mm-hmm. But students just don't know that. They don't advertise it much. So to get an actual um, advising session from them is super difficult. But I was in my first month, I was like, I need to talk to someone. Um, so I had reached out by email to the community, to the uh, medical school's Office of Diversity and Enrichment. And I just started asking if anyone would take me for an advising session. Hmm. And eventually, I think after two or three months, they got back to me and they were like, sure, fill out this form. I filled out a form, I met with them and they were like, well, we only really see third and fourth years here to help them with their med school applications. What do you want? And I was like, I don't want to get to third and fourth year and not have what you're telling me I need to have. So what do I need to do now? And that was just kind of, I go and now see that advisor uh, every semester. I'm probably the only community college student he sees, but I've also encouraged other students to do it. And it's, you know, it's just about asking people. Like there are people willing to help you. You just have to be able to ask. And if they say no, move on to the next. Um, But there are good people out there who want to help. So it was just cold calling, really. Yeah. What opportunities have opened up for you because of uh, kind of following your passions and doing all this stuff? Yeah, well, I mean, not only I do research at um, the Tampa VA, so that came from volunteering at the Tampa VA and just meeting the right people. Then with this research and following this research to help underrepresented students, especially in the application cycle, I was able to go presented at um, a national convention in Washington, D.C., and I was able to get it on the national scale, get awareness. And I was also um, on my poster able to cite work that you had done from one of your books. And little to my knowledge, you were at the convention and walked up to me. Um, <laughs> I, believe, I, I believe you walked up to me to post something on the AMSA social media. Okay, yes. I was the, <laughs> yes, I was getting a video. Um, but then for the poster session, I had invited you to come see the work and I had all the research with me. I like to carry everything I have, Mm -hmm. right. Prints out of everything so that people can see what you actually have. Um, and we were able to discuss how we can help underrepresented students through med school HQ through math. And I think that was one incredible platform being able to now work with you on aspects, but we've also had, I've been able to give talks to my school, um, in terms of how to do research and I've presented posters to them and taught them how to do poster sessions. So my deans have also been really, you know, passionate about what I have and they're inviting me to do a lot too. So I think it's just getting the word out there of what you're doing and then following that has been incredible. 
And now I get to be on here with you. <laughs> you get to be on the podcast. That's the the ultimate <laughs> reward. So uh, as you look forward to finishing your community college career, moving on to a uh, four-year university, and w- hopefully I'll convince you to go up the state a little bit more to UF instead of going to USF. Um, what do you hope to kind of continue or build upon or start new in terms of, again, following your passions? I love that. I think I can show you my 60-year plan, but to kind of you know summarize that a bit, I think for my undergrad journey, I want to continue doing work that is making a significant difference in a student's life, whether that be my own or my friends or, or students I don't even know across the country. So I want to keep doing work and identifying how we can help underrepresented students in the medical school application cycle. I want to keep doing advocacy. I want to keep being able to talk about the hard issues that medicine is facing right now. I want to keep learning, I think, from multiple different institutes and organizations so that I can be in a position where I can turn around and help students understand things. And I think that's just really my four-year goal is to keep doing the stuff I love, keep helping students, keep learning, and you know, ultimately then get into medical school. And then we start a whole new journey where we help medical <laughs> students and still undergrad students, right? So I think it's just as I grow, I want to keep diving my roots deeper into what I know and have a foundation in rather than now try and look for other opportunities. Um, I think I found really what makes me me now. Yeah. For, uh, as we wrap up here for the student listening to this, what, what words of encouragement can you give them to, to go out there and be okay following their passions and not just checking off the boxes? Yeah, I think that's a really hard one. I think what I would say to you is don't do anything that doesn't excite you to get up in the morning, right? There are going to be mornings and days as a pre-med where it is really difficult, right? You are really hard on yourself. You have a chemistry exam coming up. You haven't studied, but you need to go do something. Find what's worth it. Find what is going to be something that lights your soul up enough to be like, okay, I can make it through this day without all the stress of pre-med collapsing me. I think that's it. I think another thing is find people, find a mentor, find a professor, find a friend who shares that passion because they will keep your fire lit regardless whether you're having a hard time or not. All right, so there you have it. Again, that was Tyra talking about her journey to the U.S., and to being a community college student and what she is doing to be very intentional with her journey to support herself and to support her fellow pre-med students. I hope this was helpful for you. Don't forget to check out mcatscholarship.com by the end of October 2022 so you can enter to win an amazing scholarship if you are planning to start medical school in 2024 or 2025 and take the MCAT in 2020. Three. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.